hey, here's a paper plate with some chunks of cheese that, you know, 20 other runners have just put their, their sweaty, horrible hands in. They're dipped in coronavirus. The sleep deprivation really hit me hard. And uh, I was convinced that my uh, my loving wife was actually a witch that was making me rerun the entire race. And um, naturally, my inclination was to run away from her as quickly as possible. When I'm sat on my deathbed, you know, as I get to the end of my time, I want to look back and say, oh, you know, I, I, I ran you know, 200 miles. I ran across Death Valley or, or whatever it might be, but also did some good along the way that, you know, helped other people's lives. You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey there, my friends. As you just heard, we've got a fun podcast for you today. In fact, it's the first international uh, recording for the Run the Riot podcast, all the way from the UK, Scott Jenkins. Yeah, man, we had a good time and um, man, just got to pick his brain about some things and uh, he's done some really cool stuff and got more coming. Hint, hint, he and his brother both got into Badwater this year. So that's pretty awesome. Um, man, just sit back, enjoy the craziness, enjoy the accent. Um, I guess accents because you got a Cajun talking to a guy from the UK. But anyway, man, enjoy it. Have a good time and uh, smile a little bit. All right. Well, we've got a interesting uh, guest on the the show today. My first international guest. We have Scott Jenkins, all the way from the UK. Scott, welcome to the podcast, man. Uh, Dave, it's a pleasure to be here, man, and uh, thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome to talk to yourself. Um, you know, you've done some epic races too, so I'm keen to pick your brains on some of these runs that you've done. Oh man, well, I don't, I don't know. I if if I can help, uh, we'll, we'll try it. But uh, you've done some pretty pretty outstanding things, man, and I'm just looking forward to um, talking to you. And 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 really, um, I mean, I guess to get started, first thing is how um, you've done races here in the United States. You've done a lot of stuff here in the United States. You've done some things out there. Um, how is how is just the ultra running scene different? from there to, to United States? Is it, is it different or are we all crazy the same or what? What's it? I, th- I think first and foremost, the, the people are equally crazy and equally okay, right. passionate about this, the, the sport, which is amazing. Um, and I, I find that whenever I run in, in the US and whenever I work, run in the UK, the, um, the people are just so friendly when you do ultras. Like, you know, everyone's out there, everyone's suffering, everyone's going through the, the same kind of things. And, um, yeah, I guess uh, it, it's really cool. I think the one thing that I've noticed which is massively different um, is the aid stations in, in your country are way better than really? the ones right. in our country. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, so I, I've got two kind of examples of that. So the first one, um, you, well, you, you'll be aware, but listeners perhaps aren't, that I came over to do the Moab 240 in October in 2019. And um, 
I was just amazed by like how amazing the um, the aid stations were, considering that we're there in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, I come around the bend of some huge great canyon and uh, there's the destination trail aid station. And they're like, hey, man, do you want a burger? You want a grilled cheese? What do you want? Yeah, um, man. Which is awesome. And uh, the second one, I, I was lucky enough to crew for one of my um, friends, Jacob Cooper, last summer, who was doing Tahoe Rim 100s. Uh, out there in Tahoe, which is a super cool race. And um, I spent a day at the aid station and, and got to meet some of the volunteers who are up there, really nice people. And um, I got to run like the, the last 20 or 30 miles with Jake. And like the last but one aid station was like a fully stocked bar. And I was just like, <laughs> wow. oh my God, two of my favorite things, running and drinking. I hadn't really mixed them until that point. And I just remember my buddy, he was like 70 miles in and, and he was like, right, you know, where's the tailwind? Where's, uh, where's the water? Where's the electrolytes? And he turned around and there's me drinking like a couple of whiskeys. And he's like, are you going to run, man? And I was like, yeah, of course I am. Yeah, of course I am. I'm just like, don't worry, it'll be fine. Um, and it was all good. We got him in under 24. So that was cool. Um, now to put that in perspective, uh, in the UK, my I, I've done you know quite a number of races, long distance races, 130, 145s, and um, the people are equally as friendly, like really nice. You know, they're out there in all weather, helping people, supporting people. Um, but the aid stations tend to be like, hey, here's a paper plate with some chunks of cheese that you know 20 <laughs> other runners have just put their their sweaty horrible hands in the dipped in coronavirus um, and, <laughs> yeah and then and then you're like oh what about the bowl of peanuts that's been there for seven hours um and you know maybe some water maybe some some cordial or some squash and uh bye-bye get on your way and, and wow. that's that's aid stations in the uk for you Wow. So even even on even on a uh, hundred or over hundred milers, they're still kind of slim pickings like that, huh? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, there's different types of races as well. There's there's, uh, there's one organization, Centurion Running, which is a bit bigger than some of the other races. Mm -hmm. um, they have a lot more qualifiers to like things like Western States attached to them, uh, okay. or UTMB. Um, but then there's you know these smaller companies and they're a little bit more low key, but I actually quite like that. You know they're, they're out there for for the love of it, and yeah. you know the people there are just great. And the 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 one four fives and the one thirties, you know, they're super helpful and it's low key, but it's a lot of fun too. You know, I like that. It's cool. That that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we need. Well, let's let's back up because I I I you know I've read over some uh, some things about you and um I, I want to kind of learn a little bit about how you got into to all this craziness because um you know looking at some of the things you've done it looks like you started well, well tell me when did you start running because your first event that I see is um a big crazy thing in 2010 um but uh so so tell me a little bit about like how you got into this you know this sport so um i guess it started when i was younger right I, I i always ran and um i was pretty good in school like not super fast but i just enjoyed it and um yeah. one day my uh, my pe teacher uh phys ed uh, teacher said to me he said hey why don't you go and join the local athletics team and i said okay that's cool you know i'll go down there and, and see what it's all about and i got down there and i remember the coach of the the team said to me he said hey how fast can you run a mile and i said well you know, around about 5.45 on a good day. And he just turned around and said, ah, oh, that's too slow and, and just walked off. And I was like, okay, 
Um, maybe I'll just focus on, on team sports, seeing as I'm not going to cut it now I'm 16. Um, so I focused on playing like rugby and football up until like my mid to late twenties. And then in 2010, um, I turned 30 and I was thinking, well, you know, I'm not going to get called up to the, the Welsh national soccer team or rugby team anytime soon. And, you know, maybe I need to find a, a new sport to focus on. And I took up running, um, me and my brother had always kind of trained together anyway just kind of socializing and running and um, we decided that we'd go and do a race called uh, the Lanefli Half Marathon it's uh, it's in Wales it's uh, super super rainy super windy uh, it's held in March it's a horrible time of year um, but we did it and we enjoyed it and um, you know we, we carried on running training and um, I was working in the gym at the time and I worked with uh, phase four cardiac rehab patients, so patients that had cardiac events, you know, heart attacks, stents, things like that. And it struck me that a lot of these patients um, had like a renewed enthusiasm for life because they almost felt like they'd had a second chance, right? They'd had a heart attack yeah. and now they'd gotten over that. And it struck me as quite a positive way to look at life. And I, uh, I decided that I wanted to do something for this charity. So I, I said, right to my brother, you know, we're okay at running. Let's, let's go and do something for these guys. And I guess we were bouncing around the idea with our friend, Rusty, who's, who's from the States, from Texas. And we said, well, you know, let, let's do something that's just going to capture people's imagination. And back then it was, it was 2010 and, you know, not that many people were doing these kind of like ultra multi-day events and we said well let's i don't know how but we just said we'll go to boston and then we'll run to austin in texas <laughs> which is his hometown and 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 that's what we did you know we, we were very naive we just got on the plane went to to boston and pulled up google maps and we're like okay where's 26 miles from from boston okay it's in you know south like 26 miles and and off we went and then that's uh, awesome our uh, our support team picked us up we went to the nearest town and and tried to negotiate a motel for the night or uh, you know tried to see if there was somewhere we could stay and then the next day we'd get in the car go back to where we finished and and start the next day and do another 26 miles and we did that for 75 days till we we eventually got to austin which was pretty cool wow so that's it so at up until that point you guys, um, you had run a half marathon. Had you done any other ultra nope. distances or, or, or even a marathon? Not even a marathon. No, nothing. I've still, ne <laughs> I've, I've, I've still never done like a, a London marathon or New really? York or Chicago. I've applied to London multiple times and I never seem to get in. Yeah, so yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and also I, I'm not sure whether you're the same, but like, I don't like running in like a crowd of 10,000 people and seeing a sign saying, Hey, you've done a mile or, or two miles uh, or 10 or whatever it is. I quite like being in the middle of a beautiful area, not knowing how far I've gone and then looking down at my watch and going, Hey, wow, I've just done like 40 miles or, or whatever, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I, I do marathons more for, um, kind of for training and, and, and stuff like that. And, and I'll, I enjoy some of that, you know, interacting with the people, but yeah, give me, give me nature, give me, give me uh, a sky and some fields and trees and dirt. And yeah. uh, yeah, I much, much, much prefer that. Um, so 
so you guys, you ran a half marathon, and then and then you fly to another country to run to run <laughs> to run two thousand miles, and and uh, that's um that's impressive, man. Thanks, and man. So so how did um okay so you ran a half and so you ran a marathon a day basically for seventy five days to get that done. Yeah. How how did your um I don't know how did your body react to that after you know because you you definitely wasn't used to that you know no we we trained for it <laughs> okay of okay yeah. yeah so we trained in the interim it wasn't like we did it right now straight okay. after um yeah. it's really weird like the first two weeks kind of took a little while for the body to get used to it yeah um but then after two weeks, all the kind of pains in the joint sides to subside. And and actually, you'd get up each day and it just became a job, really. You know, mm. we'd get up in the morning. First thing you think is, right, where am I going to get some food from? Then you think about, OK, I need to start moving around, loosening up the body. Um, the thing that hurt the most for me that I, that really sticks with me is um, my Achilles tendons. So I, I remember that. I lost the kind of elasticity that you naturally have in your Achilles, you know, that bounce in your stride. And it always yeah. felt like for the first hour or so of a run uh, each day, it was just like dragging, you know, your, your feet around the floor and hoping that you'd get a little bit more spring in your, in your step back in. And uh, after that, we'd just run until lunchtime, get some food and then carry on running in the afternoon and yeah, finish the day and get in the car. Absolutely no stretching. Don't worry about that straight in the car <laughs> off to the nearest town and we'd literally just you know go into like a, a super eight or holiday Inn express or, or whatever and just tell them hey look we're doing doing this run across the states for for charity is there anything you can do on the room and uh, I, i've got to say and i really want to say this on the podcast because i've always found um people in America to be some of the most hospitable people I've ever met. You know, I've done cycling challenges and runs in, in my own country and in, in France and Italy. And um, I've got to say, you know, even from my travels when I was younger around the States, I, I love coming to, to the U.S. because people are just so friendly. They really are. And we were lucky enough along the way to be blessed by meeting some great people who, you know, gave us a bed for a night, complete strangers, um, you know, donating to charity, giving us meals. I remember spending one night on the floor of uh, Baptist Church in uh, in Tennessee, and the next morning, uh, the the local con congregation is in the middle of nowhere. These people came in, and they're like, "Hey, we need to say some prayers for these these guys that are running to to Austin," which was so so nice. And then when I got back to the UK in in December of that year, I had a Christmas card from this this small church in Tennessee, and I was just like really really touched and and super fortunate to meet some great people along the way. What a, what an amazing way to uh, what an amazing adventure and an way amazing way to to really see you know the people in the United States like just real communities not just in the cities and I mean you you probably saw a lot of things that that I that I haven't gotten to see yet you know just running the back roads and yeah that's it's cool. a be beautiful country and it's so diverse as well and and that's what I like about the states I I think I've I've been to. 44 45 states in the u.s now um i'm i'm still not sure which is my favorite but i like colorado i like california a lot um, <laughs> i'm not sure where all your listeners from so i'll just say i like all yeah, them. Just so like them. Oh, yeah they're all great they're all great <laughs> texas <laughs> oklahoma of course very nice louisiana is nice too well what, what part of louisiana have you been to man uh new orleans okay, oh, Bat okay. baton rouge as well Okay. Okay. I'm from, uh, from near Lafayette area, uh, originally. And, um, yeah, there's some good, uh, have you done any, any racing out there, man? There's some good races down there. 
Some uh, good food too, man. Really good uh, food. I'd come for the food. I think the, the humidity <laughs> would kill me um, down it's, there yeah, in the, in the deep rough. south. Um, what's the other town I've been to? Um, it was just north, like on the state border. It is like casinos there and stuff as well. Probably like like, like uh, Vidalia Natchez area or something, or I don't, I don't know. Maybe There's... Lafayette, maybe. No, somewhere. Lafayette. That's yeah, Lafayette. That's yeah, a, I, th- I think that was it. It was on a river somewhere, but uh, it was it was it was just super cool. And again, the people there were so hospitable. It was it was awesome. Nice. Uh, you you've been to more states than me, and I live here, man. That's, <laughs> awesome. that's great. <laughs> that's, that's great. I'm trying to get to all fifty. I, I'm not sure which one's going to be my last, but probably Alaska. I think. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to get to from London. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so you guys uh, took this um, this event on and and got it done. I mean, um, so you said it was it, it was uh, two or three of you that that did the the full two thousand. It was me, my younger brother Reese, and yes. our good friend Rusty. Uh, Rusty's okay. from from Texas. We met him when we were working in a summer camp uh, when we were younger, up in Pennsylvania, actually. And um, okay. yeah, Rusty's a great runner. My brother's uh, a great runner, and I just make up the numbers and do all yeah. right sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's pretty amazing. And so uh, so um, you were you were still working in the gym at the time. Uh, like, yeah. So so my 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 American brain goes straight to like how in the world you get 75 days off of work to do something like that <laughs> you know like that's 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 crazy that's awesome i also worked in sales as well so uh i'm, I'm quite uh persuasive when i need to be i guess <laughs> okay, but okay, okay. no it was super cool so like my my boss at the time a guy called jamie he was a, a lovely guy he was into his fitness and I, I think you know he appreciated what i was trying to do and it was doing it for the right reasons so i took um a year's worth of annual leave from 2010 and then i said to to the business i said hey look you know i don't want to go on holiday in 2011 so can i have a year's worth of annual leave which is you know typically four weeks in the uk uh and then i said yeah i'm gonna need like an maybe like another month or so just (laughs) just let's call it unpaid leave um so yeah i just didn't get paid for that extra month which was fine because i i think i learned so much more about myself than uh doing that event than i ever have you know throughout the rest of my life i think you just you just kind of learn to know that anything is is possible if you just set your mind to it and don't believe in barriers and push past them i guess that that's yeah for for people that have done multi-day events like that or who traveled across the united states it's what you said is kind of like the you know it's amazing what our bodies how they adapt because you at, at some point your body says okay this is this is just life now and you know this is this is just how it's going to be so we're going to run you know <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and like even just some of the little things that I learned along the way you know just being able to go into a hotel and negotiate you know not having anything and having a conversation with the person who's trying to sell us the hotel room being able to to negotiate a room for free and you know I learned kind of sales elements through doing things like that and then I came back and and two years later or three years later I should say uh, I had an interview uh, to to work in Johnson and Johnson orthopedics and um, I remember the the title of the interview I never forget because uh, the guy who's interviewing me said, uh, so the title of the presentation we want to want you to give is called Blood, Sweat and Tears. And I was like, ah, so I can tell you a little bit about that. And I just remember presenting to him. And he's, it was just kind of his face kind of glazed over. It was like, what? You ran like 2000 miles. But like people in ultra running know that 
there's people out there that do the kind of things that you do and and I do and and some other great runners do too and um I, I guess the, the general 99% of the population have no idea what it's like. So to put it in perspective, it's quite difficult sometimes. It, it, it is. I, I, you know, because, because, you know, we, we talk to a lot of like-minded people who do those things, you know, we, I forget a lot of times when somebody, you know, you, you mentioned something in passing or someone tells, you know, Hey, he just, you know, he just ran a hundred miles last weekend. And, and, uh, they're like, well, you know, you, when you see the look on their face, you're like, Oh yeah, there's, there's there's real life you know what yeah yeah it's so funny i don't know if you ever do it as well but I, I sometimes do it when i'm talking to people in work and they're like oh how far did you run on the weekend and i'm like oh you know it's only like 40 miles or something like that and i don't say it to to kind of say hey look what i did i'm just saying right. it like oh it was only 40 miles in comparison to maybe that 100 mile or 200 mile race you got coming up you know and yeah yeah it's um it's a weird one, especially in the UK, because I think in the in the States, the distances are so vast that, you know, people can un understand how it might kind of go like 200 miles in a race. But in the UK to go 200 miles is going from one major city to another. You know, yeah, yeah. you're covering the distances are just, um, I think, mind boggling sometimes like the Moab, you know, 240 miles without, you know, coming back on yourself to me is just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. So it, it's a lot to, to process. So, so, yeah. so you, so you guys did this, did this in 2010 and then you just, you just kind of kept, uh, it looks like you, you, you did some cycling things and, and a lot yeah. of, um, I, I saw you got, you and your brother set up a lot of these events yourself that, that yeah. you were doing. And, and so most of these were, were for charity, um, the, the events that you guys planned for yourselves, like yeah. cycling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I think, you know, we, we've always wanted to do things for charity after that event. And we both have separate charities that we support. So we supported a couple of different charities over the years, like um, uh, Marie Curie, like Cancer, uh, Cancer Care. Um, we've done Help for Heroes, Salute America's Heroes, British Heart Foundation. Um, I'm, I'm an ambassador for Operation Smile, which is a charity which helps uh, correct cleft palate and cleft lip deformities around the world for children. So put smiles yeah. back on kids faces which is you know just an awesome thing to do and my brother is an ambassador for a charity uh, called cf warriors which is a cystic fibrosis charity and um i guess we we just always felt that as we kind of go through our lives you know what are going to be the things that you remember as you get older in life and this is something when i think back about those cardiac patients you know they're probably feeling like they've got that second opportunity um so they want to make the most of their life and that's exactly what I think, you know, somebody in work said it to me recently, they said, live like you want to be remembered. And that's exactly what I'm trying to, to kind of get to, because when I'm sat on my deathbed, you know, as I get to the end of my time, I want to look back and say, oh, you know, I, I, I ran you know, 200 miles, I ran across Death Valley or, or whatever it might be. But also did some good along the way that, you know, helped other people's lives. And, um, you know, for me, I, I, I just really feel very supportive of, of Operation Smile. I was lucky enough to go on one of their missions to Ethiopia a couple of years ago. And mm. it has a huge impact on me. And I just thought, actually, it, smiling is something that we all take for granted. And, you know, in in Africa and, and other developing nations uh, or, or continents around the world, you, you find that people are often kind of ostracized from society because they have these deformities. And, you know, just by 
raising 150 pound that can have a life-changing impact on someone and for me that's truly important that that that's great man because you know our, our sport can it can be pretty selfish sport you know we do a lot of you know a lot of running by ourselves we're we're, we're um you know spend a lot of times by ourselves in our heads uh training and all that and um for you guys to be able to 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 use what we do to to help just to make the world a better place man that's that's cool that's really uh, cool. thanks mate thank you i really appreciate that and yeah it's it's interesting one right because uh, i think me and my brother recently talked at a national running show in the UK and we got to meet um, one of your previous guests on the last episode, uh, Joshua Stevens from Colorado. Josh great. is awesome, man. He's a, he's a great guy. Really yeah, good guy. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him in the summer and um, yeah, running with him and, and getting a few drinks too. And um, we presented on um, how running's not a solo sport. And um, mm. I think when we look at running initially, especially ultra running, you think, oh, well, you know, there's these guys that are running on trails for 24 hours and, you know, what a solo sport. But actually, it's a lot more when you, you break it down. It, it's a lot more of a team sport. Actually, maybe even my, my opinion, more like cycling, where you've got the head of a cycling team and everyone else around him is doing their best to make sure that that person does really really well and it's the same in ultra running it's just the fact that you've got crew and you've got paces and you've got volunteers and actually it's not a solo sport there are moments yeah. of course where you, yeah. you're, you're on your own but i think all of the the things that i've ever achieved in in running has has been down to the support of my friends my family my crew my paces and and ultimately the race organizers and directors so it wouldn't yeah. be possible without all these people yeah, and w- one of the beautiful things about our sport is, I mean, by and large, when when you when you're in a race and I mean you're racing it, these are you're running against, you know, it's a race. You're running; these are your competitors. But man, if somebody's having a tough time, it's always like if I'm having, you know, people are checking on you, you're checking on each other, and it's it's more about let's all get let's all finish, you know, let's get this yeah. done, and and um and so even even as competitors, there's that um. There's that team effort, you know, because I, I in every race, I, I don't want to see anybody DNF. I don't want to see, you know, no. you know, and if this if I can help, if I can give something, if I can encourage others, man, that's, you know, and so that's that, that's a beautiful thing in our sport, too. You know, not only with the team effort with and, and Joshua and I talked about that quite a bit with our, um, you know, having a crew and the right people surrounding you. But but also, you know, when you're racing against like minded people, you you're supporting each other. It's it's cool. It's so true. And um, I, I, forgive me, I'll tell you a little story about uh, my experience in, in the Moab 240. And I, I know that you'll appreciate it, having done and accomplished the things that you've done in like Tahoe 200. And, you know, you've got the Triple Crown coming up this year. So um, when you get to the last 16 miles of the Moab 240, spare, I'm a, listening. <laughs> spare, spare a thought for the rocks that you'll see on the left-hand side and my experience. So... Um, it was all going rather rather well, actually, unexpectedly well, uh, till uh, around about 220 miles in, 224 miles in, and um, the sleep deprivation really hit me hard. And uh, I was convinced that my uh, my loving wife was actually a witch that was making me rerun the entire race. <laughs> and um, naturally, my inclination was to run away from her as quickly as possible. And you'll see it. You're 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 
or experience it. Maybe not the witch bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just get enough sleep. So I'm running away from the, the witch and uh, the, the Colorado River's over to your right-hand side. You can hear it down to the right-hand side. But it's a big drop and um, I'm running down this trail on Porcupine Rim and uh, I fell over and um, I could hear like the, the witch was kind of closing in on me. And as the, the witch closed in, I decided that the best course of action was to, to run off the side of the trail uh, and hide under one of the rocks. So <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I hid under one of the rocks, but sadly the witch found me. Um, and when she found me, I was trying to uh, make a fire which, you know, is minus four, it's pretty cold. So uh, I didn't have anything to make a fire. I just had dirt and my hands, which I was rubbing together and it wasn't really working. Um, so she uh, then said, look, come out from under the rock. And my wife is a, a strong Scottish woman. So it was more like, come out from under the rock, man. What are you doing? And I said, well, uh, no, I don't want to. So I wouldn't come out from under the rock. And I spent about two hours there. And uh, during that course of time, I think a few runners went past. Well, quite a few runners went past. And eventually uh, this uh, guy called Jason Wooden, I didn't know him at all. He he came past and he said, hey, man, what what you doing under them rocks? Apologies for my uh, my American accent. I know it needs a bit of work. Um, <laughs> not <laughs> Australian as well. Um, he said, hey, man, what you doing under them rocks? I so I'm trying to sleep. Can you just go away? And he said, no, you can't sleep there. You've got to come out from under the rocks. And I said, well, I don't really want to. He said, I've got some crackers. And then my, <laughs> my ears kind of perked up. And I said, what, what kind of crackers have you got there? And he's, well, they're, they're, they're peanut butter, man. I said, hang on, hang on. I'm coming out from under the rock. So I, I, I kind of scrambled out from under the rock and uh, walked along the trail like one of the um, one of the zombies from The Walking Dead for like the last 16 miles. Can't remember a, a minute of it. Um, and I think I went from like 16th or 17th down to like 35th because I, I spent like two hours just sleeping or well, trying oh, to sleep under the rock. Um, got to the end and then just collapsed in a, a camp chair. Uh, I'll have to show you the photo sometime, but I just sat there for an hour while my buddy kind of fed me pizza and I didn't say a word. It was the, the weirdest <laughs> finish to a race that I've ever experienced. But what an experience you're going to have down there, man. You excited? I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. And, and so one of the things that I did learn in Tahoe, and it sounds like you learned it at, at, in Moab, is to is to plan sleep. You know, um, in mm -hmm. Tahoe, I got to a point where I was I was just too tired. I, you know, if I would have just stopped and slept for an hour, I'd have done much better than than I was zigzagging along the trail and, you know, slapping myself and, yeah. uh, you know, and just not, you know, not really getting in, gaining any ground. And so I, I can't, you know, change my strategy a little bit. Talk to uh, guys like Ben Light. And uh, Michael McKnight and, uh, you know, and some of their strategies on what they've done. And, you know, I'm just going to, you know, sleep before I have to, you know. So Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing, right? It, it's hard to do because I, I think I slept on Moab 240. I slept at 121 miles for, for, for two hours. And then I want to say like the second night I slept for like an hour somewhere. I can't remember where, but yeah. I remember getting into pole Canyon, uh, just before you go up into the LaSalle's and, uh, my wife and my buddy, Jake and Rid, who are crewing for me, they say, Hey, you, you're doing, you know, really, really well. Like I didn't expect to be anywhere near the top 20. And, um, they're like, you know, you're in 
14th 15th something like that and I said okay let's let's good let's uh let's caffeine up and I'm thinking to myself <laughs> get me monster get me red bull <laughs> like pro plus and I got pretty wired on that stuff and then the next section like up to pole canyon and then through the night up to um Giza pass and the top of the cells flying like okay this is going really well and then that caffeine kind of I think because it's just an amateur theory, really amateur theory, but I think because your body is is fighting the natural inclination to want to go to sleep against the the caffeination and the and it's a drug, right? It's yeah, doing its yeah. job and it's forcing your body to stay awake. And my experience is just creates this kind of parallel universe where you encounter witches and run away from them. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's weird, but if I if I'd slept for one more hour. I think it would have made a difference and I probably would have finished like seven hours quicker, something like that. It was just the weirdest thing. But that last section. Yeah, that's what I tell people that, that, you know, they ask about hallucinations. And I said, it's basically you're just sleeping awake. You know, you're 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 in this you're 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 awake, but you're sleeping. And so you you just kind of lose sight of reality and things start getting weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So so. um yeah. So going back, you've, you, you, you've done all these, uh, other races. And then I, I noticed that you guys have, um, um, you kind of have an affinity for doing your own events in death Valley. Um, yeah. so y'all have done, you've done a few where you and your brother have come down and, and just, just done some, some, some events in death Valley. What, tell me about those, like, and what, what, where did you get the idea and what drew you there? Uh, that's a really good question. So the idea has always been that one day we'd want to get into bad water. So, you know, that was the goal. And, you yeah. know, as these kind of ultra races in the US became more, well, we became more aware of, of some of those races. Um, I think it, we realized that for us to want to wanna go and race in bad water someday, it's going to be super competitive to get in. So, you know, what can we do to potentially make our, our, our application stand out one day? Obviously, you've got all the qualifying hoops and races that you need to go through and tick those boxes. But if we can go out and get our own experience of running that route, then A, we can do something for charity. B, we can kind of get experience of doing it and, and C, it will give us that kind of uh, thicken out the, the CV, I guess, so that, you know, when one day we apply, we'll hopefully get in. So, you know, um, going to bad water, well, I think, excuse me, going to, um, death Valley the first time in 2015, like I've never experienced heat like that in my life. It was just incredible. Um, yeah. it was tough. Like we, we got the first crossing done and my, my brother actually went back and he did like the, the double and he did 270, which is just crazy. Wow. Um, I was like, yeah, no, I'm done. Like, Thanks <laughs> yeah, very much, mate. I'm, I'm going to Vegas now. I'll see you, <laughs> see you in a couple of days. Enjoy yourself. Um, so he did that. Uh, and then the next year we were like, okay, you know, that could have gone better. How can we go and improve it? And I've always found that uh, learn more from, from failure than, than success. And, you know, yeah. there were things that we got wrong. So we we're like, okay, let's, let's go back. We'll do it for charity again and, you know, get some more experience. And actually the second year, I learned more um than the first year so the first year was it was tough like it hurt my knee and stuff but you know that that kind of thing happens in in running these long distances the second year was the weirdest thing so like it was super hot the first day I remember passing out on the first day and woke up with like a handful of Nutella 
in my in my in my mouth and kind of smeared around my chops where yeah. I'd uh, I, I tried to get some last minute sugar into my mouth uh, before I'd passed out but I failed miserably so yeah. um, my friend like brought me around and uh, yeah we carried on running and um, it was just before Lone Pine I remember uh, like getting cramp in the side of my face I was yeah. like, well, this is really weird. Like, I've never experienced this before. So I kind of like sat down on the floor, and my crew were like, yeah, you don't look so good. Let's let's see if we can get you into just to, to see um, a physician in Lone Pine. So we went up there, and it's just like a small triage center, and like a little nurse. And uh, the the nurse came out. They were lovely, and they they said, hey, look, you know, you probably need some tests. So we need to send you to Bishop. Uh, which is 80 miles away and to me 80 miles to the nearest hospital I was like really like <laughs> okay well let, let, let's let's go and they were like no no we have to wait for the the ambulance to come 80 miles to pick you up and then go back 80 miles and I was like that you know I can't comprehend that <laughs> it's yeah, never yeah. like that in the UK <laughs> and I was like okay fine you know so like six hours later we get to the the hospital and they do some tests and they're like oh you've um you've got rhabdomyolysis oh man and I said oh, I, I don't really know what that is. Like, I, I feel all right now, but you know, I'm not really going to toilet that much. And basically what happened to me is that I'd known about the risk of the fluid intake and making sure you're hydrated. That's obvious in that kind of environment. But the, the, the learning from the Raptor was that obviously the, the creatine kinase and the, the protein that's naturally in your muscle belly is toxic to your, your kidney filters. So over time, as the uh, the fluid that's naturally in your body uh, is goes to protect your major organs, you are restricted in your ability to eat and fuel. Uh, so obviously, you know, you burn through your carbohydrate, you burn through your fat, and then your your body starts to metabolize itself. And that's exactly what happened to me. And, you know, it, it was super painful, super weird. And you kind of thinking for 24 hours, OK, I, I hope that, you know, I'm going to start urinating pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, and uh, eventually it did. Uh, it did work. And, uh, yeah, got back to normal. But that was that was a, a massive learning for me because uh, I guess we all like to think that, you know, we can just go out and, and, you know, do the right training and we'll get through it. But actually sometimes the, the, the elements conspire against you and you don't really realize that you're getting into a situation where you're probably going too, too far and making mistakes. And that's the other thing about ultra running. And I'm sure you're aware of this as well. It, to me, it feels like it's a series of problems that you need to solve. Mm -hmm. And some people can solve them really quickly and cover distance really quickly. And for me, it's actually like I like I quite enjoy solving the problems, but also the more tired you get and you'll know from from doing two, to the, the 200 milers, the more difficult the problems become to solve uh, yeah. and the little things become irritating and then they become big problems. So, yeah, I, I like that side of ultra running, trying to solve those issues, you know. Well, and, and, and I mean, I've gotten burnt, burned before where, especially after doing a 200 miler, you go do a hundred miler and you, if you're not careful, you get the mentality that, you know, oh, I can just go hundred miles. I, yeah. I can go yeah. knock this out. And then you end up making a mistake and then now run through it and you make another one and you don't, you don't problem solve like you should. And you end up, I, I DNF to a hundred miler, you know, and it's like, oh man, yeah. you know, it's like, a, it's, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. I, I've DNF fifties and then, you know, I, I DNF one 
um actually this is ridiculous so i was planning to <laughs> my wife uh she she gets puts me up to these things i swear um making me sign life insurance before i do these races <laughs> each time the premium gets bigger it's funny that um <laughs> anyway so she says hey let's go on holiday i said okay where, where are we going she said, oh, we're gonna go to hawaii i said oh, that's amazing beaches sand i said what date are we going? She said, oh, we're going on such and such date in May. I'm like, okay, fantastic. Um, only one problem with that. I've got a hundred miler the day before. She said, wow, you better make sure you get it done in time to get to the airport. I said, right. Okay. <laughs> so great. it was unseasonably warm for the UK, which is nothing for you guys. So I'm not even going to embarrass myself by saying how warm <laughs> it was, but I, uh, I went out pretty fast, made loads of mistakes, um, and then got caught between, uh, an aid station and it was May. Um, but we were running alongside the river and the temperature just dropped so much beside the river, uh, during the night that, um, by the middle of the night, I was just like a shivering wreck, even though it was yeah. May, I was like, uh, you know what? Maybe we'll go to the airport now. Like, let's just cut this <laughs> yeah, fifty yeah. miles off and, and go for it. But coming yeah. come back to your point, I do I do have another amateur theory, second amateur theory of this podcast for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it comes back to um, something I learned when I was younger in, in, in training and, and deadlifting in particular. That when you deadlift your one rep max, you would only do that so often, maybe once or twice a month. And I think the principle is the same. And the reason I say it is because I think that you can overload your central nervous system through training. And I think when you do a hundred miler and it's completely, you know, everyone's different, of course. But for me personally, when I do a hundred miler, whilst I might feel fine the week after, I think it puts a lot of stress onto your central nervous system and actually taking the time to recover before you go and do that hundred you know a couple of weeks later is is a massive part of it and even last year my brother ran bad water and then a week later he was at the start line of 145 miler in in the uk and i i crewed like maybe ran like 70 miles of that race and i was in the 145 miler with him in the uk and it was pissing down with rain it was horrible and um I just remember getting to about a hundred miles in that race and just feeling so, so unwell. Couldn't stop being sick. My brother was being sick all over the place. And it was just yeah. like, actually there's gotta be something because whilst I felt fine at the start, I think mm -hmm. that you've just kind of overloaded that central nervous system and you might feel fine, but actually deep down inside, you're not quite right. You need that time to recover. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, um, that, like I'm doing the triple crown, you know, having even a month between, um, making sure. Yeah. Yeah. Doing active. Cause uh, when I did the Tahoe 200 a month later, I did the, uh, I did Arkansas traveler for my uh, Western States qualifier cool. and just to get it. And I had done it before and it was just to do it, you know, to get it done. And, uh, whoo, man, I felt good at the starting line, but, uh, you know, about 60 miles in, my parents were crewing me and I looked at my mom and I was like, I'm not having fun right now. It's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just, you know, it, 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 it catch, it'll catch up with you. And, and so that's one of the things I got, you know, I got a plan for stacking those races is, um, you know, trying to give my body the best, uh, the best active recovery I can in the yeah. time in time I have. And, you know, there are a lot of people who do like, uh, Walter Handloser, man, he's, 
he's a beast. He's, he's he just broke the record for the number of, yes, uh, yeah, of hundreds. Yeah. You've had him on the show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, cool. he's a good guy, good friend, and he's. I don't know how he does it, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some guys are just incredible, and women, of course, are just incredible. Yeah. But for for me, as a mere mortal, I, I need that recovery time massively. And I, you know, I think one day I'd love to do the Triple Crown. Um, you know, it, it's expensive to come all the way from the UK three times to do massive yeah. races like that because yeah. obviously you got the flights, you got the cost of the uh, the rental car, accommodation, food, so on and so forth. I think that it's the crucial part is is how you're going to recover and i'll be really interested to catch up with you to see how you recover in the the months between i think that's a massive part of it yeah yeah and uh I, yeah we can definitely visit on that and i'll be putting stuff out there and and uh trying to chronicle the the journey so others can either you know can benefit from it <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. which one are you most excited about about those races oh man i don't know uh when i did tahoe we did it um we it was the fifth year so we did it the opposite way from normal so i'm I'm excited about doing it the the normal way because um cool. every everyone who's done it both ways said that the way we did was was harder i mean i ended up anyway i ended up uh, stumbling around rubicon in the dark at at, at night and it, w- it was oh. just it was toward the end of it it was tough but um i don't know they're they're uh i think i think bigfoot i think i'm most excited about bigfoot but i've never been the to to moab utah either so i'm i'm pretty excited about that they're just so so different and varied and i just love it man i'm gonna t- just take it in you know yeah just, I, I I mean the, the destination trail people they're really cool really nice people and they put on some awesome races I I mean to me going into that that Moab environment there's nothing like that this mm. side of the pond and um, I just loved like going into those canyons into the mountains it's just incredible um, it's probably actually Bigfoot is the one that I probably don't look forward to the most i think really really yeah just because it's forests and like it could (laughs) rain and i'm like you know (laughs) i can run in the trees and rain anytime (laughs) here like you know but like california tahoe that's super beautiful up there and you know moab's like nothing else but bigfoot's just like "Mm." and also bears and and actual sasquatches in the forest kind of scare me (laughs) i wouldn't mind a a, a bigfoot sighting but you know just he just long as he stays over you know (laughs) is he real is he real or not that's the well, question to you. That's 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 another podcast. We, we can, uh, if any listeners have an opinion, we can. We can <laughs> that's, that's Pandora's box. We just opened up. That, right there, that's a I big thing. You know, here in Oklahoma, there's a lot of believers that 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 believe they've seen Bigfoot out here in Oklahoma. There's. Oh, oh really? Yeah, there's a lot of people who have the Oklahoma State with the Bigfoot over it. I, in fact, my first race of the year was um, in Greenleaf State Park, and and it's all about Bigfoot out there. They've really? Got, yeah, Bigfoot shirts. It's it was it's a short race. It's a trail race, but uh, yeah, all about the Bigfoot. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. Hey, do you guys in the UK have a have a, an equivalent or something like that? Uh, you see a few odd people on the tube in London occasionally, but nothing like Bigfoot. There's been there's been no Bigfoot sightings around this part of the world for a while now. Um, I right. will let you know and update you if I do see any. All right, that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so man, so you and your brother have done um, uh, you've done a lot of um, a lot of things together. So that, I think that's really cool. Uh, how you how old are um, what's 
how, the how far apart is your age? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's the uh, the younger sibling, so he's like seven years younger than me. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, and uh, about seven years faster than me as well, to be fair. But uh, <laughs> you know, that's, all right. that's okay. all right. Make up for it with experience. It's fine. There you go. It's all good. No, yeah. that's that's really cool though. That that as siblings, you get to 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 do those things together and and have a kind of a partner in crime, you know. Yeah, it is really, really nice. And um, it's something that we've been able to share together over the years. And um, I guess it, it's easy to take it for granted, right? And think, oh, I want to beat him or he wants to beat me. And it's nice to have that sibling rivalry, but also, you know, massive respect to him. He's, he's done some amazing things. And um, yeah, it's just nice to to go into these races and, and run together. And actually, a lot of the races, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, you can't have a pacer till 50 miles or you can't have a pacer till like 100 miles or whatever it might be. And there's me and him. I'm like, oh, well, you know, technically I'm not pacing you. You're not yeah, pacing that's me. Right. But <laughs> we'll just hang out for these 50 miles and see how it goes kind of thing. So, that's yeah, cool. it's. It's good. Um, I'm really excited. We, well, you, you probably know this, but your listeners might not. But we, uh, we're both fortunate enough coming back to that bad water piece to to be able to to get into bad water this year. And um, yeah, looking so so forward to going out there and running that race. It's going to be awesome, dude. So so yeah. So you you guys have had these adventures where you've gone and you've done the Death Valley thing your, yourself for for charity, and then for this year that you both. Uh, get in and you're going to get to run the official Badwater 135 together. That That's huge, man. That is really cool. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm so, so excited about it. You know, I'm wondering, like, what waves he going to start in? You know, is he going to be in the same start wave? How is it going to oh, yeah. pan out? You know, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's so many good runners in that race. I know, like, Michael McKnight is in there. Sally, yeah. uh, Candice is in there as well. Josh, of course, as well. Uh, yeah. It's, it's going to be awesome. You know, I'm really, really looking forward to it. But um, it's going to be tough, too. You know, like I say, the last time I was out there, I got rhabdomyolysis. So I do feel like I've got a bit of unfinished business with the course yeah. more than anything else. But um, no I'm sure we'll have a little uh, a little word in each other's ear before the the beginning of the race saying, "Oh, you sure you you sure you've done enough training here, bud?" <laughs> nice, nice. And, and now, that, that was going to be my question. Are are you, are you guys? I was wondering. You know, are you guys gonna gonna run together a race, but with the waves? I mean, yeah, I guess it's gonna be you, you just both each see who can you know do your yeah. best, do the best you can on that day. Uh, yeah, and, and definitely, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll both help each other, of course, oh, yeah. but oh, yeah. I, I think the, the reality is we, we both really want to get to the finish. There's, um, yeah. as far, I'm, I'm not sure if this is 100% correct, so, uh, you know, uh, apologies if it's not, but I, I'm not sure that a, a pair of brothers have ever finished the race in the same year together, which yeah. it would be amazing if we, to me, that, like, it would be nice to, to do really well in the race, but actually that would mean more to me than, than anything else. You know, it, I'm never going to win a race like that, yeah. but yeah, you know what? It, it would mean more to me personally to, to finish the race with my brother in the, in the same year. That would be awesome. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be interesting, but I, I think at the same time, we'll, we'll definitely, you know, have our own kind of times in our head. Yeah. We, when yeah. we've done these events, you know, sometimes we're running next to each other. Sometimes he's a mile ahead or I'm a mile ahead. So there's always that kind of slight distance or difference sometimes in these races. It's normally the kind of first 40, 50, 60 miles where we might be kind of together. And and then it kind of, you know, you go through different things and that's, that's ultra running. Um, 
but yeah, it's good. It's going to be exciting. Definitely going to that- be exciting. And that's cool. So both of you, okay, you both you both gotten in, and you're both gonna have, gonna come from the UK, and and um, how are you both gonna do cruise, and and so you each have your own crew and rentals and all that fun stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, my uh, my wife Abby is is gonna be the driver of the car, and then um, my good friend Rid Morgan is ultra runner. He's gonna come and uh, crew for me. Uh, my other good friend, um, Chris Farrier, is going to come for, uh, and, and crew for me. And then I've, I've got one kind of spot at the moment where I've got a, a few names and ideas in, in the hat, but I haven't quite decided who that that, that fourth member of the team's going to be. And then my brother's got his own, own squad as well. So we're going to fly out to Vegas, hire the car. Um, me personally, I'm going to spend like a week in, in the Vegas area, not partying. I'll just, yeah, just yeah. put that <laughs> I was gonna... Okay. <laughs> saving that for afterwards maybe, right, maybe have one or two yeah, uh, yeah. maybe hit a couple of tables but nothing too wild um uh and just trying to acclimatize to the heat because I, I think that's the biggest hurdle for for us coming from you know a cold country or you know, your listeners or, or runners that are coming from a cold state um it's difficult to acclimatize to that heat and um when i did moab I went to to Colorado for a week before, and I'm so glad I did, just to acclimatize to the altitudes. Um, spending time at altitude made a big difference, and I, I'm hoping that that principle stays true for for bad water and the exposure to heat. Uh, what I'll be doing out here in in the build up to the race is uh, I'm going to uh, build like uh, I'm looking over to my left hand shoulder for your listeners at the moment, looking at our we bought one of them Peloton bikes actually, so I'm gonna oh, okay. yeah. I'm gonna build a um, like a a small heat hut around the bike nice. um just because i don't have a treadmill in the house so actually if i can put this next to the heater put some electric heaters in in around it then actually i could create a pretty useful hot box that if i'm training in my heart rate zone get it into heart rate zone three get it into heart rate zone four and just sit there trying to work out in the heat and then outside of that i'll be going into the sauna going for my long runs going into the sauna and just ramping that up to try and acclimatize but it's tough and like recently the the last few weeks we've had loads of like atlantic storms just blow in and it's mm. just been rain 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 like every day when i've gone running outside so trying to train and, and get used to, to what we're going to experience in bad water is one of the, the huge blocks to overcome and there's no really easy answer other than yeah. exposure i suppose yeah the good th- the good thing that the good thing that you bring in is you've been there twice before so you mentally you know what to expect and that's that's huge yeah definitely and i think you know there's a lot of rookies there this year so they they changed their entrance um application process so uh now it's more favorable for for rookies to to get in it's, it's slightly more difficult for the veterans to get in so i think the split is like 70 rookies uh 30 veterans or maybe slightly 35 veterans and i think you know looking back now actually having gone to death valley and knowing what the course is like and knowing what it's like to to go into that heat but also not be completely overwhelmed and and know what i'm going to encounter is is going to be you know i'm it's sending shivers down my spine just thinking about it because i know how difficult that heat is but 
if yeah. you could just go in there for the first time, it's a big. Uh, what does Mike Tyson say? I don't want to really quote Mike Tyson, but he says everyone everyone's got a plan till they get punched in the face. And I've been punched in the face a few times, so yeah. I can expect yeah. it again. I'm sure. <laughs> oh man, well, um, and and so you're going to be. You talked about your preparation, but I'm I'm looking at uh, some of the things you got planned, and 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 rightly so. You've got some some races up to it, and I see you even have a 160 miler in May. You know, as part of your part of your, I'm, I'm guessing part of your training for Badwater, everything's kind of pointing yeah. to Badwater. I'm sure, yeah. Definitely, I, I'm trying to build it all towards that. Um, so I will be doing uh, a track hundred miler in well, hopefully this month. I'm just trying to see whether I can rent the track for 24 hours. Okay, yeah, I'm just okay. going to go and do it. Oh, and, it's just you doing it, okay? Yeah, yeah, it's just me. Um, <laughs> I, nice. I, I couldn't find a race that I wanted to go and do in, in March in, in the yeah. UK. So I was just like, well, maybe I could just go and rent a track for 24 hours and just run, run a hundred miles. So <laughs> just make it work. And when I want food, yeah, it's like, it's like a mile away from the house. When I want food, I'll, I'll call my wife. She'll tell me to get lost and then I'll call Domino's and get them to deliver <laughs> some go. track. Um, yeah. And then, uh, uh, in April, um, there's there's an awesome trail up in Scotland. It's called the West Highland Way. There's a race up there. It's 96 miles long. Uh, I've not applied for the race because it's in July or June this year, but it's just a regular trail that goes all the way from uh, Glasgow through some of the Scottish Highlands and finishes at the foot of Ben Nevis. So I'm going to go up there and just run that trail. It's like yeah. 96 miles, so that should be good. And then there's a race in uh, North Yorkshire called the Hardmores 160. Um, it's meant to be a really difficult race. I can't remember exactly what the elevation change is, but it, it, it's it's a, a significant amount of elevation. But the cutoff is like, I think it's 45 hours. So yeah. it's, qu- it's quite punchy for that kind of distance with the, the elevation that's in it. But also it the part of the UK it is it, it's almost certain to rain, which is going to be absolutely miserable. And you can expect mud up to your knees kind of thing. So oh, man. I just feel like if I can do that race and get through the, the cutoff in, in that kind of time, then actually they'll mentally, it will be really good training, but also physically yeah. it'll be really good training. And then, um, yeah, try and kind of recover during the end of May and, and the month of June. And, um, yeah, just try and work on that heat training and do some short runs and, yeah, hopefully we'll be good to go then. Fingers crossed. That's but, that's that's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, thanks, mate. Thank. And what, what about yourself? What, what races have you got coming up this year? Um, I've got I've just got uh, mostly. I mean, everything for me is pointing to to the the triple crown of uh of two hundreds. And so I've got just a smattering of um you know fifty milers. I, I'm doing the Silver Rush fifty, um, and then the week. I don't remember if it's the week after or before there's a local 50 miler here in, um, um, Tulsa and it's real hot and it's at night, it's hot and humid. It's at night. And so, um, just, I just put those back to back and race them a week apart and it kind of, um, you know, gives me that little extra oomph. Um, I'll be doing, yeah, I'll be doing some, um, just a lot of training during the summer. I work at a school. And so I have a little extra time off during the summer. I just work a few days a week. And so I'll be traveling to Colorado, just doing a lot of, um, yeah, some running, some hiking, getting some altitude in and, um, you know, and just a whole lot of that. And then, and then triple crown, man. So, uh, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm doing, I'm jealous of that. That's going to be amazing, man. Well, you know, you, 
2021, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you might be revealing my plans there. <laughs> All right. I was going to ask what's going to be after this, man. <laughs> I, uh, I I do feel like I've got a bit of unfinished business with Moab just because I know that I was doing better than where I eventually finished. So yeah. I'm, I feel like I, I want to go back and do that race. And then I do feel like I'd like to do the Triple Crown that year if I can. Um, but that'll just depend on, you know, finances and whether it's possible and feasible for me to, to come out there three times to be able to do it. It's a lot of commitment. So, um, yeah, we'll see, but that, that would be great to, to go and do the, the triple crown. I'd love to do that. I'll be following you and, and looking at how you get on, man. I'm sure you'll smash it. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, you know, I'm, I'm do my best, but we'll, you know, always, you never know, <laughs> but, but anything, if you, if you end up doing it, anything I can do to help, you let me know because uh, uh, I just just you know want to see everybody. Anybody tries to do what they want to do, man, get it done and and succeed at it. That'd be thank, awesome. Thank you. That's really kind. And likewise, you know, if you ever want to come over here and race, and you know, you should, you definitely should, man. There's some great races out here. Um, me and my brother, we uh, we've we've both done the uh, the Canal Slam in the UK, which is um, there's three huge canals in the UK and it's based okay. on the industrial era, uh, you know, when industrialization took place. So the first one is the Grand Union Canal race is held in May every year. It's um, it's quintessentially British. So for your listeners over there in the States, I think you'd come over and just be like, wow, this is a really difficult race and it's a really long race. And <laughs> You get to the end and it's just like a piece of scaffolding that says like finish. <laughs> there's, there's like two seats and, uh, you know, you, you've been out there for like 30 hours, 36 hours, whatever it might be. And you're like, hmm, OK, <laughs> just uh, all right, well, that's been a great weekend. I'll see you. Uh, see you next year. Same time, same place. Um, and yeah, that, that's a really cool race. So it goes from Birmingham, um, which is a, a, a huge city in the Midlands of the UK and comes all the way down to London, uh, right into central London. It's 145 miles. Uh, then you have Bristol to London, which is two, again, huge cities. And that's 145 miles. Although, uh, and I'm sure you'll find this in the, in the US as well, quite often find that you get more mileage than you paid for with some of these races. <laughs> yes, so when yes. I finished that one, it was 156 miles on my Garmin and I didn't take one wrong step, not one. Yeah. And that's even allowing for the fact that when you run a canal, it's never straight and you've got to run the inside bend, right? Because yeah, otherwise yeah. you're going to run the outside. You're going to add like massive mileage on by the end of the race. Right. So that kind of comes into it. And then you've got uh, Liverpool to Leeds as well, which um, typically is, uh, you know, two big cities, 130 miles in, bet in between. Beautiful course, apart from the bit that's in Liverpool, which is very, very uh, industrial, shall we say, is a nice way of putting it at the beginning. Um, yeah, so they're, they're really unique races. They're not like your your typical trail races that you might get in the UK or, or the US. Because um, I remember uh, I remember running the end of uh, Bristol to London, and you kind of come into London as you can imagine. It's a huge city, right? It's like running into like LA or running into New York, and you, you can imagine like if you're down by the the river in new york or you're down in you know some of these waterways in la 
there's some shifty people hanging around yeah. on, on these <laughs> yeah. things, right? There's, yeah. there's drug deals going on. There's, there's people that are, you know, clearly drunk. And it, it certainly makes you think about running a bit faster at the end of an ultra when you know that there's uh, there's a lot of scary people down there <laughs> by the side of the canal. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting, very interesting. But good races, good races. That, that's cool. I, I've actually had an experience similar to that. It's a race that, that, that's no longer, um, that no longer exists called the Rouge Orleans from Baton Rouge to New Orleans on the levee yeah. uh, along the Mississippi oh, yeah, River. Very similar. Yeah. And uh, so I ran that and we ran into New Orleans during Mardi Gras. And uh, luckily I had a I don't run with a pacer often, but I had a pacer and she uh, she kept me from uh, getting hit by drunk drivers and, <laughs> and just all the, you know, a lot of shifty people, a lot of people partying in, in New Orleans. And I'm 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 half asleep running, you know, <laughs> so yeah, sounds, sounds pretty similar. <laughs> well, it does. It does sound very similar. But I'll, I'll tell you uh, I'll tell you about the end of um Birmingham to London so um we were coming into it was about six miles to go and um we were coming around the corner of one of these um uh one of these uh the the canals there the the Paddington arm they call it and uh I could hear this big like techno music speakers booming like like, (laughs) what 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 in god's name is going on around here so you know you're running you've run like whatever it is 139 miles and I come around the corner and there's this huge like party boat canal and it's a holiday weekend so I'm like oh these people are having an amazing time like what what's going on here like you know (laughs) maybe I'll just cut the race short again and uh, me and my brother we were were next to each other at this point we're like yeah come on let's just finish this race together it'd be cool and we got alongside this boat and I'll never forget, like I, I looked up and like the, the bottom part of the boat was like all blacked out. And then the top part was like a bar. And then on the top part, and I swear, to, I swear by the good Lord, this is true. Uh, <laughs> that, so there were guys in like leather chaps and stuff, oh, up no. on the boat, <laughs> leather dresses and all God, sorts. Yeah. And I was just like. Hmm, that's really interesting. Reese, make a note. Make a note of where this place is. <laughs> that's crazy, man. It and then was... you gotta that the, you know when you're that deep into racing are we really seeing this you know yeah. this, <laughs> that's why i made a note to go back and check okay to make sure to yeah, see, yeah yeah make sure it was real i wasn't hallucinating just in uh, the name uh, of science of course okay yeah yeah you weren't making a note to go back and visit that's right. no 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 no, no. Yeah, every saturday well uh well, I, I need to ask you this because because you you work in the medical field and and so and and the races that you and, and your brother do, uh, I mean, they're taxing on the body. And um, what do you do as far as cross training? I mean, you just said you got it. You got a Peloton. You got a bike. What do you do? Weight training? Do you guys do? Yeah. 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 OK. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I really like, I've always liked weight training. I guess it comes back to, to rugby and football. When I was younger, I love to, to just throw some weights around in the gym. I think it's good yeah. to stress as much as anything else. And actually, uh, I think, you know, running those long distances, it, it requires more than just being, to me, a, 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 more than just being a good runner. You, you've got to have good core strength. You've got to be able to have good hamstring, quad strength, but also like upper body as well. Um, yeah. So I just enjoy it. I like cross training. Uh, I do weights kind of three times a week uh, and then cardio running four times a week and, you know, just jump on the peloton as and when. Like today 
it was pissing down with rain. I should have gone out for a run, but actually um, I was having this debate with my wife before we came on the show. I was like, well, actually, you know, doing like 30 minutes on the peloton at high, high intensity or running around in the dark in the, in the rain and the leaves kind of tripping me up and curbs and stuff in London. It was actually better to just sit on the bike and knock out like 30 minutes in a good heart rate zone than it was to, to go for a run tonight. So, um, yeah. I think it's good to, good for our bodies to, to do that cross training element to, to prepare and for a race, I think personally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree a hundred percent. And I usually try to keep three days a week, uh, at the gym and I, I'm like you, I, I enjoy it. I like, I used to wrestle, I did jujitsu, you know, yeah. and, and so I, I like, um, I like that and I don't want to be, um, I just want to feel strong, you know, all the way strong and keep, have a good core and, um, you know, and I don't want to look like an emaciated runner, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me neither. Like, you know, I, I just think it, it's good for us to, to be physical, to be active. And, and that's what we're meant to do as people. And, and coming back to your, uh, your point around, yeah, working in the medical industry, uh, you'd be amazed the amount of people that say, Oh my God, you run like a hundred miles. You'll be having a knee replacement soon kind of thing. And actually like, there's no clinical evidence that links like ultra running or marathon running to um, osteoarthritis. And, right. you know, when you go into the OR, you you see way more people that have li- lived a, a, a kind of, um, you know, obese life or, you know, mm-hmm. a sedentary lifestyle where you know sat yeah. on the sofa eating junk food. That's going to wear out your, your joints way before anything you will do physically, like running ultra marathons or running marathons ever will. And you know what? Even if they did, I'd rather get osteoarthritis by running ultra marathons and having an adventure along the way than just sitting on the sofa and eating junk food because I can run on the trail and eat junk food and that's much <laughs> yeah, more fun. <laughs> there you go. I mean, when you, yeah, like you said, when you look back at what, what you've, what you've gotten to accomplish in life and even already, you know, um, what you're, you're uh, 40 years old now. Is that, I'm 39, but I'll take 39. it. Okay. okay take all right. It. All right. Fine. No, fine, I, I was doing, I was doing math from earlier from what you said. That's all right. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to throw another year. So, I feel hey, like I'm, I'm 50. Yeah, I'm I'm 45, so so I'm. Yeah, you're looking good, mate. You're looking good. It's fine. Not a day over 50. (laughs) Uh, Thanks. (laughs) So, uh, well, I just shaved the beard, um, and so everybody said that. Yeah, I so I could be He-Man for that race, um, you know. Yeah. But uh, it's coming. It'll come back. The beard will come back, and I'll look old again. So yeah, It's it's a solid look. I like it. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> well, well, uh, so um, I always like to ask everybody, and I'm curious to know, um, especially you know, from from you being overseas, if how much is different? Because I like to know what kind of gear people are using, mm-hmm. and um, so like, what kind of a uh, like hydration pack do you use when you're running? You know, some of these uh, hundred milers, hundred forty milers. What, what what do you use? Oh, that's a good question. So I use the uh, Salomon Advanced Skin Five as my okay. pack, which I really like, and then I use the uh, the 500 mil, uh, you know, the blue bottles mm-hmm. with, yeah. with the with the straw attachments. And I I really like the straw attachments. That's a that's a change I, I've made recently because I felt like the old bottles you'd be kind of leaning down to your chest and you'd yeah. lose your breath trying to suck the water out of them. And the straws have made a I guess, you know, when you're looking for those kind of um, marginal gains in ultra running, 
little mm-hmm. things like adding the straws can make a big difference. So I, I use a, the Salomon pack. I really like the Salomon kit. I, I use the Salomon t-shirts. And then actually, I, I really like the Lululemon shorts. I know they're not an ultra running <laughs> brand, but yeah. they have like the inside pocket. So you can put your, your phone in, which uh, I oh, really like. Okay. I like having my music on when I run as well. Yeah. So, you know, for, for everyday training, some of the races, I like to wear those shorts. And they're super lightweight too. Um, what else do I use? Uh, I've got the, um, what's it? The Petzl now head, uh, okay. head torch, which I yeah. really like. It's super bright. I took it for a run last week. I was really impressed by that. I've changed that since Moab. That's another thing that I felt slowed me down was that my head torch wasn't bright enough. So that's yeah. a change that I've made. And when I went for a train and run dark last week, uh, I was moving quicker just because I had more light. So those yeah. things over a course of a race could make a big difference. Um, and then shoe wise, I, um, I really like my uh, my Pegasus trail shoes. I, okay. I just I love those shoes. I think they're su- super comfy. But also, what I really like, and I know uh, you know a lot of people like ultras. I, I like mm-hmm. the principle of ultras in terms of the having the space. Yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm not so sure about the zero drop because I think I'd need to adapt to that. Um, but I still think they're they're really nice shoes because you've got that element of space. But the thing I like about the Pegasus is that. If I'm training on the treadmill or on the road, I can wear the road version. And then if I'm training on the trail, I can wear the trail version. And that's why I wore for, for the Moab and they, they did me right. I didn't have, I think I had one or two blisters, but, you know, for a race yeah. that long, yeah. Yeah. I'll take that all day, which is good. Exactly. But I, I got to say, and I think you were ultra, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I've got to say, like, I think over a course of a race like that, you know, a, a super long distance race, having that extra space is 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 a massive part of it. And my my feet were pretty beaten up by the end, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I I wore the Olympus uh, for Tahoe. Oh yeah. And- yeah, and and so a lot of cushion there, but uh, my feet were happy. I did I did get um, because of the way I was hiking on one of my feet, I got a little bit of blistering. But like you said, for two hundred something miles, <laughs> it was nothing. You know, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're always going to get that dirt and stuff that's eventually going to work its way in, and that's not the shoe's fault. It's just you know naturally being outdoors for for that long. But I really like the Injinji socks, the toe socks. Yeah, I same think they're here. Fan- same fantastic. Here. You know yeah. what an invention they are because. They've made a massive difference, um, and I really like uh, the squirrel nut butter anti-chafe mm. stuff. I think that's nice. awesome. Um, doing some ambassador stuff for them this year in the UK, Ooh. which is quite cool. Yeah. Um, there's a certain brand out there that's very popular, and I wore them for one of my 145 mile races. I'm not going to name them, but okay, all right. they're very popular, <laughs> and I got the worst blisters I've ever encountered wearing really? their shoes. So I'd never, ever, ever, ever wear their shoes ever again. <laughs> But I'll let you. I'll let your listeners and you try to guess which shoe that is. Okay, but they're very, okay. very popular, and they've got a number in the name. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. We'll just, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so, so when you're running, man, what, what kind of, um, what kind of nutritional strategy do you use? Uh, and I'm curious to know if, how different that is for, um, uh, you know, compared to yeah. what. Yeah. I, I really like real food for, for yeah. long races, especially like, oh, wow, to be honest, anything over 50 miles, I think you've got to really have real food. Yeah. Um, my favorite food when I'm running is probably pizza. Not the healthiest, <laughs> but my, I, again, I've got a theory on that, really uh, full of theories tonight. Um, I really like the fact that you've got the carbs <laughs> and you've got the fat yeah. in the pizza, but yeah. also 
in the middle of the night, in the middle of the trail, let's say it's raining or it's super cold, you know, you have a slice of pizza, the world's not such a bad place after you, you know? That's <laughs> true, man. It's true. It is. Kind of- it, you know, well, tailwind, I, I don't really like it that much. Um, yeah. I used it for one of my races and it didn't go so well. I just, it's not that the flavor wasn't good, but I just, I know it's very popular. It just didn't work for me personally, but I like the, I like the idea of being able to get the calories for a yeah. drink, but actually I feel like me personally, I need more food. Yeah. Um, I, I like noon electrolytes. I think they're really, really mm-hmm. good. They do the job I like the S cap salt tabs. Um, and then I just like eating whatever I feel like, you know, sometimes yeah. it might be a, a slice of pizza and other times it's like salt and vinegar Pringles and, yeah. It, it just changes, right? And I think that's a nice part of ultra running as well. You're like, okay, you know, you get you get in between aid stations, you're getting hungry and you're thinking, right, what am I gonna what am I gonna treat myself to at the next aid station? And what I've clearly learned coming back to the beginning of the conversation <laughs> is that when I pay to do a race in America, I can have a quesadilla. <laughs> yeah. And when I pay for a race in the UK, I can have a potential risk of coronavirus. So. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, you know, it's true though. I used to be a tailwind guy until, um, I think until Tahoe and after having so much of it, I just can't, I do the flavor. I just, it, it doesn't work for me, yeah. but, but I've, I've learned over the years and probably like you just to listen to my body and I'll have a base of like, I've been using e-fuel lately, but I'll listen to kind of what my body's telling me. And when I get to the, eight, the latest thing I've been loving is like watermelon, man, especially when it's warmer. You oh, guys, yeah. you guys do a lot of watermelon out there in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. People do that. <laughs> I, I don't personally, um, okay. but yeah, a lot of people do. A lot of people do. I, I think it's quite a refreshing food to eat, isn't it? What was it? What, uh, what was the other one you said? E-Fuel. That's it's a new e- one on me. Yeah, yeah, E-Fuel. Um, um, you can get, I think it's cranksports.com. I, I'm not an ambassador or anything for them, but it's, it's been uh, – I use that as a base uh, for my electrolytes and, and calories. And then, and then I supplement on top of that. I, I, I'm like you, I like real food. When I did the Tahoe because Candace and them do such a great job. I, I don't know how many cheeseburgers I ate, man. I oh, ate, me too, man. Yeah, good cheeseburgers ate. too. Oh, yeah, they're good. I mean, who, well, they might not be good, dude. You're so hungry when you're out there. It could, <laughs> could taste like ravenous. Absolutely. Yeah, ravenous. They were, yeah. They were really good. Yeah. I came into Road 46 uh, aid station and like you said, Candice and the guys uh, do a fantastic job. And uh, there was this guy and he was like cooking meatballs and they were like the best <laughs> meatballs I ever had. But when I got there, I was like, so what have you got to eat? And he, he said, uh, well, we've got, we've got meatballs. And I was like, well, you know, meatballs really in the middle of the yeah. race. So they, they're going to be good. But my God, man, they were yeah. absolutely <laughs> phenomenal meatballs. So uh, yeah, it's, it's funny what you sometimes crave during these races i remember doing uh, a race last year um i think it was birmingham to london actually that was quite an eventful race one of my buddies came up and crewed for me and it was like a sunday sunday morning bank holiday weekend and um he turned up with like a sausage mcmuffin and uh, a hash brown but it was it was like 9 30 in the morning so you've got all yeah. these joggers out by the canal doing like their you know their 10k or their 5k and they're, <laughs> they're sprinting along and here's this ultra running running towards them with a sausage mcmuffin in one hand <laughs> and a hash brown in the other 
and I'm loving life. Like, yeah, that's right. That's loving right. Because yeah. they, they don't know what you've been doing for like the last 24 hours. They've got no idea. But, you know, for me, I was like, well, you know, you, you'll you learn one day. I'll just take another bite of my McMuffin. That's right. And be, and be happy. Look, look, looking homeless, but be, but, but feeling happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, well uh, so I, I, for for folks that want to follow along, I know people are going to want to follow you and your brother's journey as as things go. Um, I, I'll definitely, if it's fine, okay with you, put put your social media in the show notes and and um, and same thing for uh, I guess Instagram and Facebook. And you know, I I really like what you guys are doing, the things y'all are doing together. And uh, we need to look that up though. I I hope it's that that you guys will be the first siblings you know, to, oh, to do man. it and, and finish it, man, that would be, that's a, that's a great story and just an accomplishment for brothers to finish that together. So, um, yeah, we want to follow along and be a part of that, man. Big time. Uh, thank you so much, man. Yeah. If anyone wants to, to follow, uh, the misadventures of, of my ultra running, uh, <laughs> career, I guess you'd call it. Um, then you can, uh, I'm on Instagram at Scott J Jenkins and, uh, me and my brother have our little Facebook channel, which is, uh, the Jenko bros kind of like a, a crap version of the Mario brothers, nice. um, <laughs> but just like the ultra running version. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, it would be amazing if we were the first brothers to accomplish that and um i i just don't know whether anyone's done it before or, or not yeah. and um i did ask chris uh, he hasn't come back to me yet but i'm sure he'll let me know in, in due course whether that, that's been done or not before and yeah we'll we'll see whether we can do it or not but if it hasn't then i just know that you know whatever happens i'll just make sure that it gets to the, the finish line come what may you know it's going to be a yeah. great challenge it's gonna, it's gonna be good, man. It's gonna be good. Thank well, you, man. Uh, if ever you're in Oklahoma again, um, you, you make sure and, uh, and look me up, man. And uh, you, you can come camp out, hang out, and, and we'll, uh, we'll ex- get into trouble or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, likewise, if you're ever in London, then you come and you must stay with us, and I'll take you to uh, a canal. Uh, and a boat down there that knows how to party <laughs> on a bank holiday weekend. Tell me about that. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. <laughs> um, no, no, it's been an absolute pleasure to come on your show, honestly. And, you know, you're an incredible runner yourself. And I just want to say good luck to you with the Triple Crown. I'll be following your progress. And, yeah, super excited to see how it goes. And, um, yeah, I want to I know if you encounter any witches along the way. Yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be looking for that witch in Moab, man. <laughs> she, she sat over here in London, mate. So she, she's definitely still here. <laughs> okay, all right, keep, keep her there when I'm running, brother. <laughs> cool. Um, well, hey, thank you so much. I know it's late there, but uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, man, uh, let's let's try to plan on, um, you know, after you guys have your adventure, let's try to do this again. That would be awesome. Thank you so much for having me on, Dave. Appreciate right. it, mate. Thank you, brother. All right, wasn't that a lot of fun, man? I hope you enjoyed listening as much as uh, as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. Just a good time with a good dude, man. Uh, before you get off, don't get off yet. All right, so I want you to go to www.runtheriot.run and you can scroll down and see the show notes. And I'll have links to to Scott's um, social media, uh, to he and his brother's page. I want to encourage you. Uh, look at some of the things that they're raising money for, and if the Lord leads you, man, give to those things. Uh, bless those guys. Encourage them. Shoot them a note on uh you know on social media. Let them know you heard. But also, guys, listen. 
We've been having fun interviewing, especially these last couple of weeks, interviewing just some good folks, some good people, man. And if you're in, encouraged and, and blessed by this, uh, man, share the podcast, share it with others who might uh, be listen, who might want to listen, who might be looking for something like this, you know, uh, other runners, even some non-runners I found out are listening and uh, getting encouraged by some of these things. So so share the podcast. Uh, if you're so inclined, man, uh, give us a rating on uh, on, on iTunes and um, just tell the world you're listening. I'd have greatly, greatly appreciate it. And I just thank you for all the you folks who've reached out and uh, just let me know that you're listening and that you've enjoyed certain podcasts and all. Um, man, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And uh, it's just a blessing to be able to do um, some of these things and get to run these races and just meet all these amazing people. So so just thank you for listening. I hope you have a great week. And man, get, get some running done. I hope, you, hope you're getting some miles. I hope you're training for something and you're just getting ready to crush a goal. And if you're not, find one and then crush it. All right. Take care, guys. <laughs>